Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. So today we have Lisa Ziederman, and she's an attorney specializing in divorce. Uh, She's a certified divorce financial analyst and a certified financial litigator. And Lisa and I were connected by a great colleague that we have in common, Stacey Francis, who does a great podcast and does wonderful uh, financial planning and practices with women who are anticipating uh, going through a divorce or maybe coming out on the other side. So I'm really happy that Lisa can join the Breaking Money Silence podcast today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, and I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your work, your firm, and uh, then we'll get into busting your myth wide open. Well, we are matrimonial attorneys. We work with um, people going through divorces as well as people who are interested in prenuptial agreements, postnuptial agreements, and also who have custody, child support, or alimony issues. So we, we run a broad span of issues in terms of anything family law-oriented. Great. Well, unfortunately, that is a very needed service, but I also know it can be really empowering uh, for women who have the right team to be able to go through a divorce and take care of themselves. So I'm really glad you're doing the work that you're doing. Thank you. So Lisa, today you brought the myth, as a stay-at-home parent, I'm financially protected once I'm married. So tell the listeners a little bit about what motivated you to bring that money myth to the call. Kathleen, you know, I felt compelled to bring this myth to everyone's attention, particularly because there are so many women who come into our office who believe that they have been financially protected and will be financially protected after a divorce because they're married and have children and have been a stay-at-home parent. And the fact is that many of those women find themselves in a real bind when they're going through a divorce and looking forward to the future in that they have been disadvantaged, unfortunately, by staying home and giving up the traction that they may have had in the workforce. I think it's such a dilemma because, you know, for some women, they really want to stay at home. They really want to take care of the kids. And there is this sense that if you're married, you're, you're being taken care of. And that it's, of course, you walk down the aisle thinking it's going to work out. I, I'm wondering, is there any upside to this myth? I mean, before we talk about how it can have negative consequences for women, is there any way in which it might serve us to believe this idea? So I do think that it serves women and families in general to believe in this myth because a woman who is staying home and who is able to be supportive of her family, her husband, her children, does achieve something that many women may not achieve, unfortunately, if they're out just in the career world, which is to have a strong and bonded family and a family, you know, in the future 
who is together and tight-knit and all of those things that all of us or many of us wish for. So I do think that it's a good thing in a lot of ways. I think it just becomes unfortunate when some of the women find themselves in a situation where they didn't really bargain for what was going to come next. And so when all of a sudden you either discover that your marriage isn't working and that there's a pending divorce, or maybe you kind of knew it all along and you wait till the kids go off uh, to college, what are the ways in which overly relying on um, a partner for your financial health gets in the way? Well, what happens, I think, for a lot of women who rely, and this happens to men too, but a lot of women who rely on um, their partner, essentially, they have been out of the workforce and they are unable to reestablish themselves in the same way that their spouses have established themselves. So, you know, that 10 years or 15 years when they're raising children and staying at home and they're not in the workforce and then they are suddenly hit essentially with divorce papers and find out that the world of alimony is not so kind anymore that they have to go back and reestablish themselves in the workforce because that's what's expected of them now. And they find it very hard to find that first job, and certainly they've lost a lot of ground in that they haven't been able to be promoted, they haven't been able to get those raises, they haven't been able to build their careers. And so they're starting out in a less powerful place in terms of the workforce, certainly, and in terms of economic development for themselves. So you mentioned it happens to men, too. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that, you know, nowadays, 44 percent of uh, women are the primary breadwinners in their home and there's more and more stay at home dads. Um, Do you see this happening more and more with the stay at home dads as well? I do. We have quite a few um, women now who come in whose husbands have been the stay-at-home dads, and these women have been on the career track, and their husbands have actually not been out there building their careers, whether it be because they've chosen to stay home or because at some point they have been laid off and therefore have just not reestablished themselves. But the same thing is happening to them if they are out of the workforce for a period of time five years, 10 years, and sometimes 15 years, it's very hard to reestablish yourself. And when you are suddenly in the midst of a divorce, there is an expectation that you're going to be able to support yourself. And so for people who are now looking to be able to do that, to, to be able to go out and support themselves, they are really facing a crisis. And so how do you help somebody through that crisis, both at the time of the crisis and and also, I guess, Lisa, you know, is there anything that someone listening in today can do to make sure that if this is in their future, that they're a little bit more prepared? So one way that I think people can prepare, and I'll start there, people can prepare by believing and understanding that their relationship, that their marriage is a financial partnership. And once they look at their marriage as a financial partnership, they begin to think of what can they do to negotiate a better situation for themselves if things fall apart. And one of the ways that they can do that is through either a prenuptial agreement or even a postnuptial agreement, during which they negotiate for perhaps some sort of a package in the event of a divorce. 
And although it sounds very cut and dry and very contractual and perhaps more as a business partnership, it's very important that people protect themselves. So we have people who come to us all the time for prenuptial agreements, and I say one of the questions that I ask people is, well, what's the plan? If, are you going to have children? Are you going to stay home? Is someone going to stay home? And if so, what are we going to do to make sure that that person who is staying home isn't financially disadvantaged in the event of a divorce, whether it be by a bigger lump sum if there was a divorce, um, in terms of equitable distribution or some sort of an alimony situation where there's a package put together ahead of time. Or if you haven't gotten your prenup, then perhaps doing it as a postnuptial agreement at the time that you do have children so that you can feel secure and not financially disadvantaged at the end. So I would say that that's what we do as a preventative measure. In terms of people who have come, who come to us and are now in that situation, we advise them to go see people like a financial counselor, such as a Stacey Francis type of person, or um, a vocational analyst who can help them find the type of work that they could be capable of performing and a way, a roadmap essentially for them to build a career back. But that is something that we work with people with over the time. And of course, we try to negotiate for those people a very strong alimony package where they receive support for a good length of time so that they can build themselves back and reestablish themselves, as well as perhaps a greater share of equitable distribution of assets because they have put in the time and the work, but they've done it in a way that they can't be rewarded for, as somebody might be in, in the workforce. You know, that's great advice. And in my most recent book, Breaking Money Silence, there's a chapter about difficult money conversations. And one of them is the prenuptial uh, agreement conversation. And I do think there's a lot of, obviously, legalities that you specialize in. um, But the actual having a conversation before getting married about your financial partnership can be so useful. Um, I do know there's probably some people listening who are rolling their eyes and thinking, oh, that's really romantic. Uh, So what do you tell uh, couples or people who are kind of resistant to the idea of having a prenup or a postnup or or engaging in a conversation that basically is about if we don't make it this is what uh, this is how we're going to split our assets. You know, I, I think that talking about finances and transparency about finances builds a much stronger relationship. And so while people may not think it's romantic, I believe that it really is a foundational element of a marriage, that honesty and understanding people's finances when you're going into the marriage and then throughout the marriage, I think builds just a stronger relationship. People who are not transparent about their finances are building issues of control, sometimes financial abuse, um, certainly not honesty. And I think all of those types of situations are roadmaps, frankly, for issues that are going to occur during a marriage. And so that idea of being transparent, that idea of of being able to discuss your finances, I think it's so important. And while it may not be romantic, I do believe it, it is the basis of a really great marriage. There's actually some research to support what you're saying, that couples who are married that talk about money regularly report greater marital satisfaction. So there's there's research behind it. There's certainly what you see, and, and I certainly believe in engaging in these conversations. Um, but 
say you have someone who's come to your office. They are in the situation where they've bought into the myth that they're financially protected because they're married, they're staying at home with the kids, and and now they're going through a divorce. What are some tips for them in terms of how can they start to address this or kind of wrap their brain around what they need to do to take care of themselves financially as they go through uh, this often traumatic experience? So the first thing is they need to understand their finances. They need to understand what their budget is and how much they will actually need in terms of income to meet that budget. And we have people who come all the time into our office who have no idea, frankly, how much they spend. So we help them go through their credit card statements and their bank statements and any other place that they may be drawing down money to understand what their expenses are. So the very first step is to essentially understand what your expenses are, then to understand what the sources of income may be, including child support and alimony, as well as income that you can earn from assets that, you know, will be appreciating. And once they understand that, then they can all, then they will understand what it is that they need. The other thing that we always look for and tell people to look for is to make sure that they actually have identified all of the assets. And that is not as easy as it seems because people who aren't actually involved in their finances don't always know what their assets are. I have many women who come in who don't have any idea what their husband's income is, what their assets are, where the assets are. And so one of the things that we do is to work with women and obviously men as well when they are in that situation to help them identify all of the assets and all of the income. And even if there's a business involved to have that valued so that they understand what their whole financial picture is. Once they understand their financial picture, then we can figure out what to do to help them whether it be that they have to go out and earn more money, whether it be that they need more alimony or child support, whatever it is. But if once we identify what the budget is and what, what the assets and liabilities that we're working with are, we can better help these, these people. Well, and it sounds like you really help them develop a plan, right, from the get-go with the budget and then what you need to do and then support in terms of uh, next steps. Now, I understand it, and maybe I'm making an assumption, Lisa, but I think you work as a team. So um, when they work with your firm or someone like you, are there other team members that can help them out? Yes. So first of all, we usually have a financial person who works with us. Um, and we have an accounting firm of some sort, whether it be a forensic accounting firm or an accounting firm, who also will work with us if there are issues of business valuations, for example. And many times a therapist will, we will involve a therapist because people who sometimes have issues about their money also have issues, as I said, about control or abuse and So having a therapist to work with them as part of a team is very important. And then a financial advisor who can help them understand what it is that they need to do to plan for their future. So we do try to work as a team approach. It's very important. And I've learned that over the years that having a team approach makes people feel much more comfortable about going through the process. And it also makes the process a lot easier and much more informative for them. Right. And, you know, one thing you probably don't know about me, Lisa, but I was a therapist for uh, 15 years. I joke and call myself a recovered therapist. But I think even if there's not any deep-seated issues, having somebody uh, there to talk through this experience of uh, ending a marriage and coming out on the other side can be so useful. So I'm really glad that a therapist is part of that overall team that you work with. 
it's it's so important, frankly, for someone to have a therapist as they go through this. It's important because they have issues with their children, issues of how to tell their children, issues with their spouse. It makes it so much um, more palatable for them to be able to go through the process. This is a very stressful um, time period for people. They are really trying to protect their children and their finances. And those are really the two most important things in probably their lives. So it's, it's incredibly important that they have a strong team to work with. Agreed. And so we started off with the money myth as a stay-at-home parent, I'm financially protected once I'm married. If you had to reframe that and put that into more of a factual statement, Lisa, what would it be? So I think that the factual statement would be that as a stay-at-home parent, I'm financially protected if I make sure that I financially protect myself. And I do that by making sure I take care of myself, learning about the assets, learning about my budget, and making sure that I am part of the workforce as well. That's a great reframe. And time goes so quickly here. So I want to make sure, Lisa, that you let everybody know how they can find out more about you, your services, your firm, um, if they want to continue the conversation. Sure. So we have a website. It is mzwnylaw.com. And anyone can find us on that website. Awesome. And I will also put your email information uh, in the write-up for the blog if anybody's interested in contacting you directly. So thank you so much, Lisa, for breaking money silence with me today. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.